All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous Special Focus 100-Pounder Meeting. Today is Wednesday, the 21st of September, 2022, and we're absolutely delighted to have our speaker, Lindsay W., with us today. And uh, Lindsay came over to uh, OA in 2007. She lives in Houston, Texas. So right now, I'm going to turn it over to you, Lindsay, to share your experience, strength, and hope. Thank you, Paul. Um, good morning, afternoon, evening. Um, I'm Lindsay, and I'm a compulsive overeater um, here in Houston, Texas. And um, you know, I always get like really nervous when it's time to share, and you know, especially when it's like I have a whole half hour. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say for 30 minutes, you know? And, um, and today it's like, I'm just really reminded, um, that this is a story of like transformation that blows my mind on a daily basis. And, um, it's not because of anything I did, you know, I mean, it tells me that lack of power is my dilemma. So I, I didn't have the power, um, to do this. And so this share is just a share of like the miracle that has occurred in my life. And that happens, um, one day at a time. And, um, I'm really just, it's really, it's really humbling to me. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful to be here. Um, this program saved my life. Um, you all, saved my life and, and do every single day. Like I'm so grateful for overeaters anonymous. I'm so grateful for this program and, um, and, um, yeah, everything it means. So, so I want to start out just by sharing the photos. Um, so here we go. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> All right. So slideshow. All right, there we go. So, um, these are the photos of me, um, when I was, you know, in the, in the depths of the hell of my disease. Um, I am five foot three and at my highest weight, I was around 350 pounds. And, um, you know, just looking at these, these photos, it just like, breaks my heart because I remember how incredibly miserable I was, how hopeless I felt. There was not a light at the end of the tunnel. There was no, I mean, like, I really just, I don't even know what I thought was going to become of me, you know, like, it's just, there was, there was no future available for this, for this girl. And, um, and, uh, so, all right, next. Okay. So then, um, I like, wait, is this, hold on. Did I skip one? One second. Hold please. Okay. Well, no, I don't know what, hold on guys. I'm sorry. I'm people can tell you I'm kind of bad at this. Hold on. Oh, okay. Wait two. All right. So this is the second slide. I did an extra preview, but anyway, these are my, um, these are not my current pictures, but these are like pictures, you know, um, progress. So, all right. Now the one on the left is me, um, in March and I turned 40 this year. And, um, you know, I said, gosh, I'm not where I thought I would be, you know, at 40. Um, and that, that has a few meanings, right? Like meaning number one is like, I'm single. 
Um, you know, I've been divorced for over 10 years, but I'm single, you know, I don't have children and my God, I mean, I would have thought for sure I'd be married with kids and a family at 40, but I don't have that. But also what it means, like, I'm not where I thought I would be at 40. Like (laughs) I'm happy. I'm healthy. I have peace. I have joy. I have connection. I have God. I have like sanity and, oh yeah, I have a, a, like a, like a healthy body, but that's like at the bottom of the list of the things. Right. And, um, so that's me and my sister celebrating my 40th birthday in March. And then like nine days later, I celebrated one year of, um, food sobriety, which was such a miracle. And, um, then the middle is me, um, you know, just in a dress, right. I never would wear dresses before ever. And then on the far right hand side is, um, me and some people that maybe some of you recognize. I had friends that I met in these rooms that I've only been in like two and a half years that flew across the country to celebrate my birthday with me. You know, I mean, that is like, that's so cool. Like it's a life I never thought I would have. And so, um, yeah. And then the next slide, which you kind of got a preview of is, all right. So here on the left, like I am a huge sports fan. And so this was me at the world series. So I'm an Astros fan. I'm in Houston at the world series game. And I was miserable. I mean, I hated every moment, like walking to the stadium was a chore. It was awful. I was spilling out of the seat. And this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity that was just Anyway, it was heartbreaking. And then, but here right next to it is me with my sponsor and with fellows in Los Angeles at a baseball game. And like, it's just a miracle looking at these things side by side, you know, just like, look at this transformation. Like, look at what I really didn't think was possible. I would have bet you my earnings for the rest of my lifetime that this wasn't possible for me. Okay. Like I was one of the hopeless ones, just so you know. Um, all right. And then, um, this is like my new headshot for work. I just put that here because it's like a side by side, but again, it's not about the like body size and face. It's just about like the eyes. Like I can see in the eyes, there's such a difference between one photo and the next. All right. And then finally, again, just kind of these like side by sides. I like, this is the exact same event like three different years. So here I am going to this charity event on the left-hand side. Like I would actually like bail out of the event. Like I would lie and say I was sick, but this year I felt like I had to go. Um, So there I am. And then in the middle was last summer or summer of 2021. And then the the one on the right is current. So um, I just want to share, you know, share those because obviously the physical, the physical manifestation is like just a clear way to see, okay, the transformation, but it's so much more than that. So, all right. So now let's talk about, um, what it was like. So, you know, when I was, um, when I was a a kid, you know, I, I remember, I mean, food became an escape very early in my life. Um, you know, I remember wanting to go and eat at fast food restaurants when we were little and like just zone out in front of the TV. Like I, I just remember, you know, like plopping down in front of the TV with the TV tray and like opening up the Taco Bell. And it's like that escape hatch, you know, it was just like that deep breath and I, and oblivion, right? Like I could just escape my reality. 
Um, and you know, I, I lived in fantasy as a kid. I mean, I, um, I remember I would like go to my bedroom and I would pull out pen and paper in all seriousness and like write out like plans I had with like people who existed, but they weren't my friends. You know, I'd be like this weekend I hung out with, you know, Jane and John and her boyfriend with blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was like, I just like my reality was never good enough. I just always wanted I always wanted out of reality and, and I don't, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why that was, but it was like, I just, I always needed to take the edge off. I always needed to escape. Um, uh, when I went to college, um, my disease, I mean, as we know, the disease is progressive and it absolutely, um, progressed a lot for me. And one of, there are a couple of memories from college that really stand out, um, one is that I, I was spending a ton of money on food, you know, and like, I mean, I, and I was isolating a lot. Like I was, I was, um, you know, I was spending all my time by myself. Um, I wanted to be one of the cool kids and I wasn't one of the cool kids, but like the not cool kids weren't cool enough for me. Like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding me? So it was like, I was always different. I was always trying to find about how I was different and reject you before you would reject me. So I completely isolated. I was binging all the time, going to multiple fast food restaurants for meals. And so I went home one weekend and my parents and I, you know, went through um, the bank account statements. We did the budget, all of that. And it was like, okay, I'm going to spend this much money. I'm going to go to the grocery store as soon as I get back tonight. And I just remember driving into the city in West Texas where I went to college. And it was like, as soon as I drove in the city limits, my car just pulled off to this fast food restaurant. And I remember thinking something's really wrong with you because I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to, like, I was like, but it was like my steering wheel was like, I didn't have the power to stop the steering wheel. And you know what? It reminds me this morning. Um, I'm just pulling out my book quickly because I was in more about alcoholism with a sponsee on page 34. And it just says, you know, this is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it. This utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And I, my sponsor said this to me when we went through it. It's, it's the terrifying feature. It goes beyond baffling. Like it is the terrifying feature of this addiction for me is that I desperately needed it. I desperately wanted it. And like, I couldn't stop. And of course I didn't, thank you so much. Thank you. And of course I didn't, I didn't have the language then to say I'm powerless over the steering wheel. I'm powerless over this urge to eat, but it was, it was really, it was really, it was terrifying. And I mean, of course it went on for, you know, 20 more years. Um, and then another, um, another example is that whenever I was, um, it was my fifth year of college. I took four and a half years and I had to take this like low level history class to get my credits. And, um, and I just remember, I mean, I'll, I'll tell y'all I'm, I'm like a gutter level, like heroin, heroin level addict with food. I mean, that is who I am in this disease. I'm no different than the people that are standing under a bridge. And what I would do is I would be sitting in my apartment all afternoon with, you know, the like McDonald's and all kinds of fast food wrappers and ketchup and all this just like strewn everywhere. And it was 
like I was just like completely incapacitated. I was high. I couldn't go anywhere. So I missed that class almost. I mean, I think I went to maybe two or three of those classes a semester and I thought I was going to fail out. I thought I was going to have to tell my parents like, well, I'm not going to graduate because I couldn't pass a low level history course because I am like a wild raging food addict. Right. I mean, it's, um, so that, so that happened. Um, okay. So then, um, you know, fast forward, um, I, you know, I got married and I was, um, I was, um, very, very difficult to be married to, you know, I, um, I raged, I got really angry. Um, I would throw things. I mean, I was, I was like, my, my addiction was really unmanageable. Like I was, I'm emotionally dependent and, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was horrible in my marriage and I mean, no, no surprise that, you know, we are not married anymore. Um, you know, so I've been married, I've been divorced. I moved, um, you know, I moved up to New York city. I mean, I tried all kinds of things to escape this, um, disease, right. To like, try to find my happiness, to try to, to try to find something externally that was going to validate me, make me happy. Um, and where I could maybe lose the weight that I just kept gaining. Um, and, um, my very first OA meeting was in, um, as was said, 2007, like I was in my twenties. And I remember, I remember going, I remember like there was absolutely no way that I was able to hear the message that was being shared, right? Like the spiritual solution for me, it was like a free, um, you know, one of those dieting with group support, um, pay in ways, right. It was just a free that I never got a sponsor, wasn't able to hear the solution, but there was, there was some seed planted, thank God. Right. Where it's like, I knew it's like, I knew the 12 steps are the answer for me. The 12 steps are the answer. I have no idea like how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to get out of this hell. Because by the way, it was 13 years later before I actually like put down the food and worked the steps. But there was always this like intuitive knowing that the 12 steps were going to be my way out. You know, and it was like on like Instagram or whatever, like some of my favorite authors, some of my favorite influencers, things like that. Like I would find out after I resonated with them so deeply that they were in 12 step recovery. Right. And so I'd be like, okay, it just continued to be this, this like knowing that 12 step was my answer. And so I just want to say, you know, to anybody out there who, um, you know, can't put the food down, or if your camera is off right now and you're binging or on your way home from a binge or on your way to a binge or whatever it is, right. Like, like, I mean, keep coming back is like so overly stated, but like, for me, the answer was here and it took a really long time, but the solution is here. Like Overeaters Anonymous saved my life, but it wasn't a moment sooner. Like it happened when it happened. I had no, I had no control over that. Um, and so, yeah, so I, um, moved to New York, moved back to Houston, um, when I got back to Houston, you know, I started calling into more OA meetings. I mean, I remember so many, like, this is when like phone meetings were big before we got on zoom. And like, I remember I would be in my car, like in fast food lines. Like I binged so much during these, um, during these phone meetings by, I kept calling. Cause I knew, like, I heard in your voices that you said you'd been where I was. And I was like, okay, 
if these people are, are serious, like then I can at least hold on to this shred of hope. But I will say, I mean, I, I'm always looking for how I'm different, right? I'm always looking for how I'm worse and how something's not going to work for me. And so I remember thinking like, there's no way that these people have it as badly off as I do, right? Like they don't understand how bad my problem is. Like, I hear you all saying it worked for you, but like, there's no way this is going to work for me because I'm such a hot mess. And, um, you know, and I thought like, okay, you know, I'm powerless over food. My life has become unmanageable. Well, obviously, right. I mean, I'm over 300 pounds. Like, you know, I had an eviction notice on my door at one point. I mean, I was in my mid thirties and, um, have, I mean, I have like a, decent career and like had an eviction notice on my door. Like I'm telling you, when I say I'm gutter level, I'm gutter level. Like I was going to get kicked out of my apartment because I was spending all my money, hundreds of dollars a day on food and incurring insufficient funds fees every time. Right. Like I couldn't, I couldn't bear to even, it's not that I couldn't bear to like feel any feelings. Like I couldn't even bear the light, knowing the feeling was coming. So it was like, as soon as I would get to my car after work in the parking garage, like I would already be on Uber Eats, like ordering my delivery so that, you know, I could like, and I still, you know, I can still experience it now. Just like that deep breath of like, okay, thank God. Like it's on its way. Right. And I already got the hit right then. As soon as I pressed order, because I couldn't even imagine getting home in my apartment, sitting there by myself. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I remember saying to therapists, I don't know how to do a weekend. Like how do normal people just like do a Saturday? Like, what do they do? Like they get up and they like make breakfast and then clean their house and go hang out with people. Like, I didn't know how to go. Like, I would just like wake up, binge, go to the couch, binge, watch TV, go to the bed, binge, couch, bed. Like I was like, I couldn't even, and I would be like, I'm going to put on clothes and go to Target. And like, I couldn't do it. And it was like, and, and then I would show up to work, you know, like I said, successful promotions, like making good money. And then like, I couldn't live life. Like I couldn't live life. And, um, I had multiple sponsors and therapists say to me, I think you might need a treatment center. And that was really difficult to hear because I was like, am I that bad off? Like, am I that bad of a case that I, I can't like go in the rooms of OA and, and get this, like all the other people I see, right? Like, and, um, it was really scary and it really sent me into, um, a dark, hopeless place, which I didn't think things could get darker or more hopeless. You know, I remember there were some nights where I didn't feel comfortable being in my apartment by myself because I, I thought maybe I would hurt myself. You know, I, I didn't feel safe. And so I went and spent the night with a friend one time. I asked my mom to come stay with me. I mean, I just, I didn't want to live anymore. I, I, I didn't know what to do. And, you know, people say, um, I couldn't live with the food and I couldn't live without the food. And that was the point to which I got. And that's when like not being here anymore seems like the only option because I'm, I'm stuck, right. I'm in this terrifying place of like, I want it and I need it and I can't do it. And so, um, yeah. And so, um, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, 
um, about a couple months into quarantine, I decided I would weigh myself. I was like, all right, let me just, let me just weigh myself. Let's see how bad this really got. And I, when I say I blacked out, when I weighed myself, I'm not kidding. Like I had to go back to the text message that I sent to a friend, like telling her what I weighed at because it was like 350 pounds. And I just remember being like, my life is over. Like, I don't even like, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to keep going? Like, I'm going to end up on that show. My 600 pound life. It was like, I was just tumbling down the hill and I couldn't stop it. And it was really, really just so scary. And the pain was so great that, do you know what I did? It was a Sunday afternoon, weighed in at 350 Uber eats, baby. That's the only, that's the only way I knew how to alleviate the pain. You know, the, the, the incomprehensible demoralization of not being able to stop eating and weighing at 350 pounds. Is that 20 minutes? Yeah, sorry. Yes. I was waiting for a pause. You're good. You're good. Um, and so that incomprehensible demoralization, the only, like, it's like, you know, I, I, um, beat myself. I had a headache and I beat my, beat myself on the head with a hammer. So I couldn't feel the eight. Right. So I ordered like an Italian feast for a family of six. Right. And I binged, I binged because that was the only, that's the only solution I have. That's the only solution I have to, to the pain and to those feelings. And so, um, I, um, went to my parents' house and, um, went to visit them. They live about an hour away from me, went to visit them. And while I was there, I was gifted with the willingness to, um, to reach out to a, someone who had sponsored me before. And, um, you know, I mean, I was in a place where like, I couldn't shower properly. Like my hygiene was suffering. Like I couldn't, like, I just couldn't function. I couldn't function as a normal human. And, um, it was, I was, I was living in the world as a, as a handicapped person. And, um, and so I, I was gifted with this willingness to, um, yeah, to, to call this sponsor. And, uh, and so I, you know, um, put the food down and by the way, I was living with my parents and that looked like giving my parents my credit cards and giving my parents my car keys. Like that is the only way that someone like me was able to get clean. I couldn't get in my car by myself and drive anywhere. I couldn't have access to my own funds. That is, that is, that is the level of addict I am. Right. And like, I was so resentful of that. And now it's like, all right, I can be uniquely useful to others who feel as hopeless and as desperate as that. There's a way, right? There's a way. I mean, the world freaking shut down due to a global pandemic. And I went to stay with my parents. That would have been the like literal hell. If you had told me that that was going to happen, I'd be like, Oh no, mm -mm, I want to end it before that. Right. But that is what, that is what God gave me as a gift to be able to get well in this disease. And so I worked, um, I worked the, the 12 steps, um, out of the big book. And, um, you know, I started coming to these zoom meetings. I've met, um, some of my best friends, not just like my OA best friends. I'm talking like my life best friends, people that know me well, that love me unconditionally. Um, and then don't you know, I got recovered. Yay. I got recovered after I worked the 12 steps. And then I was like, Oh, sweet. And I always talk about this because it's like, I had this idea of like, 
there's a finish line, right? Like once I cross the finish line, then I'm going to be on the shore of the recovered people. And all the like unrecovered people who are still in the water, like I was like, I'll be like, come on, you can do it. Come on up to the shore. But like, I'm here as a recovered person, right? It was very like this us and them mentality. And I thought that once I was recovered, I had to like speak a certain way, had to act a certain way. Like I could, I had to be perfect right? Like I couldn't tell you about my defects, about my imperfections, about how, you know, I was having thoughts of using again, um, about how I was gossiping about how I was being dishonest. Like I didn't want to share those things publicly and, um, sure that this is not a surprise to anyone that I relapsed, right? I relapsed in the fall of 2020. So two years ago I had a relapse and, um, you know, it was that pride it was that dishonesty. It was that inauthenticity of just like not being, it's not being real, not showing up as I am because I'm a really, really sick person with a disease that will kill me. And that is why I'm here right now. If I am not a really sick person with a disease that will kill me, like I'm not going to attend like six hours of meetings a week and spend eight hours on the call with sponsor. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be living like normal people, but I'm not normal. And I wanted to pretend I was right. I wanted you all to think that I was okay now I relapsed. And so, um, and I don't want, I don't want to tell anybody that I relapsed. Mm-mm, nope. I don't want to tell anybody. Right. I still want to like, try to maintain this image that I have, like, you know, that I, that I had, um, made for myself in a way. Right. And so I was on this meeting, my, my home meeting on a Saturday morning. And, um, I had actually qualified in that meeting like a couple of months before. And one of my dear friends who's here this morning said to me in a text, Hey, are you going to share about what's going on with you? And I was like, no, are you kidding me? Of course, I'm not going to share what's going on with me. These people think I'm a certain way, right? Well, long story short, I shared, right? I did share, put my hand up and I shared. And that, that moment was so pivotal in this next sort of phase of my recovery because it really cracked me open and it took away the, like the mask. It took away, you know, the, the pride and the inauthenticity. And it was just like, here I am. This is my truth. This is the reality of the situation. You know, I'm not going to try to be someone I'm not. And I'm forever grateful that she encouraged, probably aggressively encouraged me to do that. Encourage might be too, too um, weak of a word, but anyway, I'm so glad. And then, you know, I uh, started working with a new sponsor um, who, you know, the direction that I got in the beginning was just the only thing I had to be willing to do was pick up the phone and make a call if I want to eat or if I think about food. And that was it. Just like, I want to eat and I need help. And that was really hard. You know, it was really hard to just say that and not like spiritualize it away, not try to make it okay. I want to eat, but I'm not going to, it's okay. Everything's fine. No, everything's not fine. It's not fine. You know, like I'm a really sick person in that pits of relapse, like I'll die in this disease. And so just learning 
to reach out when I need help and to say I need help when I need help has been so, I mean, it's, it's been such a big, big change in this recovery for me. And also just being like incredibly honest about what's going on. Um, you know, not trying to, um, pretend I have it all together because I do not have it all together. And, um, and I mean, really the, and I'll tell you more about what it's like now, but what I want to say, another thing in this recovery is that like, from the very beginning, my sponsor would say, what's your prayer? What's your prayer? What's your prayer? What's your prayer? Because, because this is a spiritual, I mean, this is a spiritual solution. Like, so, so yeah, I can reach out, but the reality is when I reach out and say, I want to eat and I need help, like that is connecting with a power greater than me. There is a power greater than me. When I connect with one of you on the phone, there's a power greater than me there. And I just started praying. I just started praying, even though I didn't really know what I was praying to, um, showed up every morning. Thank you so much. Yes. Showed up every morning and, um, you know, prayed and worked all of the steps. And sure enough, you know, um, I got the, the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And, um, I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams. That is wildly imperfect. I'm wildly imperfect. You know, I said this morning to my sponsor, I was like, well, my defects are raging today. So great time to share, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in a lot of resentment and anger when it comes to work right now. Um, I really am. And uh, guess what? Resentment's the number one offender, destroys more alcoholics than anything else. I don't get the luxury of being angry. Right and wrong is not my code. So whether or not what's happening is right or whether it's wrong, love and tolerance is my code. So I got to inventory. I got to talk about it. I have to ask God to help me show the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And that is the last thing I want to do, but it's my only option. Um, that's how I live my life today. Um, I told you I had an eviction notice today. I'm sitting here in a home that I bought. I bought a house that is a thousand percent, a result of working this program. You know, I've been, um, dating, um, it's not going so well, but guess what? I'm not using over it, right? Like I ended things with a guy I was seeing, not using over it, showed up at a fertility clinic last week to talk about fertility treatment. Single 40-year-old woman showing up in a room with people with partners and babies. That was hard. But you know what? Like, I trust God. I have faith. That there's a plan, whatever it is, and I'm not eating over it. Um, so I'm, I'm really imperfect. You know, I try to show up every day and perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. Like I said, I do it really imperfectly, but I don't have to use today. I really have a life beyond my wildest dreams. This is a miracle. I never it's thought it was possible. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Lindsay. That was uh, extraordinary. Thanks mm -hmm. for your recovery and thanks for your service.